Well, hey, welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're glad you're with us today. Hey, we're always inspired to hear how God is using this ministry from right here in Winchester, Virginia to change lives all around the world. And if you have a story to share, we'd love to hear it. Send us an email at amen at myoasischurch.org. Now, if you'd like to support this ministry financially so that we can continue to bring messages just like this one to you each and every single week, you can do so at myoasischurch.org slash give. Thank you so much for your generosity. You're truly making a difference. Now prepare your hearts to hear a word from God. Amen, amen, amen. Pastor Duane kicked off a series last week called Love your neighbor, and I'll be continuing that series for just a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, I forget the date. I believe it's February 26. Uh, we are celebrating our two-year anniversary as a church. Come on, somebody. Two years as a church of helping people find Jesus, growing their faith, discovering their purpose, and making a difference. I'm super, super excited for that Sunday, so make sure you're here for that. If you haven't already saw online, there's uh, some new immeasurably more merchandise that you can go grab. Of course, all of those proceeds help our building fund whenever you purchase something on our online store. Uh, we don't make a lot of money from it, but it all goes towards our building fund, so thank you uh, for for doing that. But I'd love for you. Go order something today. It'll get here in time. If you do it today, it'll get here in time to wear uh, on our anniversary weekend. So I would love to see as much uh, uh, Oasis swag in the house uh, that Sunday. That would be that would be awesome. How many of you have noticed that it is uh, uh, easy for people to be offended? Raise your hand. Anybody here recognize? And I got to even follow that up uh, with an uh, even more truer statement that it is even often that Christians are some of the most easily offended people. Quiet in here this morning. And if you, uh, just to prepare you, uh, at some point in this message, I may offend you. Um, so just uh, hang on tight and get ready for it. But why do you think that Christians are some of the most easily offended people? Uh, my theory is that because we're the disciples of Jesus, right? We're supposed to get angry about sin. We're supposed to get angry about the injustices of this world. We're supposed to point out other people's sins and gripe about culture, be angry and stand up for the truth. Because if you really love Jesus, then you would be offended by everything in the world. No, I caught some of you. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> Today I want to talk about how in our culture so many people are easily offended and incredibly angry and what our response should be as Christians to all of the anger and hatred in this world. I wouldn't consider myself easily offendable. My wife may disagree with that. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm easily offendable. I mean, unless you say something about my wife or say something about my kids, it would be really hard for me to get offended. You can even criticize the church. I get emails every week of something somebody didn't like at church. Um, uh, as a first-time guest, we ask, you know, what's your feedback? And sometimes uh, it, I, I used to get offended, not anymore. Uh, I've just learned to let it go. Um, but but I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself an easily offendable person. I want to I wanna set up the, the, the message today with this scripture, James chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, everybody say everyone, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow 
to become angry. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is Drop the Stone. Look at your neighbor and say, Drop the Stone. Drop the Stone. Drop the Stone. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to speak. I can't even talk. And slow to become angry. How many of you would honestly say, uh, you're doing great at that. You're, you're just, you're perfect. You're slow to speak. You're, you're, you, you listen. You're slow to become angry. How many of you would say that's, that's you? Casey, John Holland, of course. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to disagree. I'm still struggling in that area of my walk with Jesus, and I pray that I get better at it. But we live in a culture where everything is the exact opposite of that. Everything is the exact opposite of that, but Jesus is a perfect example of somebody who lived that verse out. And this is an interesting fact, but in the Bible, Jesus was asked 183 questions. How many of those questions do you think he actually answered? He only answered three of them directly, only three of them directly. And instead, he also asked others 307 questions. Why? Because Jesus was completely others focused. He was quick to listen. He was slow to speak and slow to become angry. And I got to admit, I'm not, I'm not there with that anger one. There are some things just, you know, still aggravate me a little bit. If you cut me off in traffic, I get so angry and I cut people off in traffic all the time. It's like a double standard. I get so angry with it. I'm such a bad driver myself. You know, this thing also drives me nuts. I get so mad whenever I text somebody something and I'm really bad at responding. So I don't mind if it takes you like three years to respond. That's fine. But um, I'm really bad at it myself. I tell the staff all the time, if I don't respond, just text me again. But man, I get so, so angry if I, if I see the little bubbles. If you have an iPhone, the little bubbles will show up and they'll be going for like a long time, right? Like just the bubbles, bubbles. And I'm like, man, man, this is a long, and then it's okay. I'm like, what? What took so long to say okay? And my theory is because I do it all the time, they were writing something very long and then they erased it all. I was like, oh, I should just better send okay. Um, uh, Jesus was completely others focused. Um, yeah, another thing that another thing that makes me so angry, and, and as a parent, I mean, as I've gotten older, things have changed for me. But man, as a parent, when I've told my t- kids to to go to sleep like ten different times, no, go back to your room, back to your room. But can I? No, I said go back to your room. This is me and mommy time. Now I need you to go to sleep. <laughs> things have really escalated in the last few years. Some of the things that. Uh, people get it. Remember whenever it was like, uh, if you were vaccinated or not vaccinated, that was such a scary subject to talk about. People, people got so angry on which side you wear. Or if you wore a mask or, or didn't wear a mask, anybody remember these? Uh, raise your hand if you've had this argument, whether you were on side A or side B. Everybody has probably had this conversation at some point, whether you voted for a particular person when it was election time or where you stand on particular issues. And, and you would get angry about your stance on the issue, right? You would be angry that somebody else didn't agree with you on that particular issue. You would be angry if they weren't on your side with it. And if they weren't angry about the issue themselves, it made you even angrier. Anybody be willing to admit that was you in the last couple of years? No honest people in the room. You're all liars. I I don't believe it. We can become easily angered. And I think it could be even hard to admit that some of us like being angry. Some of us 
like being angry. We don't like what makes us angry, but we like the feeling of being angry. And we have small groups, and our small groups do life together, and I think it's really important for you to get plugged into a small group if you're not plugged into a small group. But some of us, uh, shout out to all the moms that live in Snowden Bridge, no offense, y'all have hate groups, okay? You guys, you don't have small groups, you have hate groups. When something is going wrong in the neighborhood, you like to post about it in the Facebook group right away and let everybody else know about it. You, some of you have group chat where, where you, you just text people that make, that things that make you angry, you just automatically in a group text message ready to let every one of your friends know about it. Some of us like being angry and when we're feeling like we're in the right we feel like everybody else is in the wrong I want to ask you this question how effective is your anger how effective is your anger is it working is it making you more like Jesus is it pointing others to the feet of Jesus, to the intimacy of Jesus? Is it pointing others to the love of Jesus? Spoiler alert, it's not. It's really not. In James chapter 1, we'll continue in this same verse and we'll go to the next one. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The small offense, the, or maybe even the major betrayal, or maybe somebody cursed you out in the parking lot at church today. I don't know what it is. Your human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. But pastor, my anger is righteous anger. My anger, I love hearing this one. My anger is righteous anger. I am angry about somebody's sin. I'm, I'm angry, I'm, I'm righteously angered. And I would have to argue that a lot of times when Christians point out that they have this righteous anger, it's funny that they never point out their own sin. They like pointing out other people's sins. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's not really a righteous anger. It's almost like a self-righteous anger. And as Christians, we can come to church and we can criticize somebody's foul language but ignore our own spiritual pride. As Christians, we can judge their sexual sin but ignore our own gluttony. We can point out that somebody stole but ignore our own greed. And are you offended yet? I'm coming for everybody this morning. I hope I just offend everybody in this room this morning. We always think that our anger is justified because it's our anger. Because it's our anger? How effective is your anger? Is it helping make the world a better place? Is it changing, changing people's minds about whatever issue it is? Is it bringing more joy? Is it bringing more peace? Is it bringing more happiness? Is it, is it being more loving? Is it, is it blessing your marriage? Is it leading your children in the way you want them to grow up? Because as followers of Jesus, at some point, we have to decide, are we here to make a point or are we here to make a difference? Are we here to make a point? Because there's a lot of people trying to make points. There's a lot of people, a lot of voices 
trying to make points, but we need a different attitude when dealing with the wrongs of the world. And rather letting our emotions direct the action, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. Not just to make a point, but to make a difference. We're not just trying to win an argument. There's lots of arguments. Lots of, and by the way, no one has ever changed somebody's mind on social media about an argument or a particular stance. It's never happened. Put, give me an example. I've never seen it. But as Jesus followers, we are trying to point people to the feet of Christ. There's this really smart guy in the Bible. He's a Pharisee. Really, really smart guy. And uh, asked Jesus a question. He said, what's the most important thing, Jesus? What's the most important thing, Jesus? And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, it'll be on the screen. Jesus says, you want to know what the most important thing is? You want to know what the most important thing is? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Showing grace. Showing goodness showing compassion. We are to be colanders of grace, just leaking grace out everywhere. Colanders of grace. Do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? And this can be very hard for me. Ask my wife. Uh, she will tell you the truth. I have opinions about everything. Uh, I get angry about different political issues. I get angry about different things. And uh, I have an opinion about almost everything. But here's one thing that I have learned in the last several years is that I don't want my opinions to get in the way of leading somebody to Jesus. I don't want my opinions to get in the way of sharing the gospel, to, to share the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ to somebody. Because Jesus didn't call us to be right. He called us to be loving. Look at your neighbor and say, be loving. Look at your other neighbor, and that was terrible. Look at your other neighbor and say, be loving. The best fighters aren't angry. The best fighters aren't angry. An effective police officer doesn't make decisions based out of anger. An effective soldier doesn't make decisions based out of anger. They make decisions based off their training. And as disciples of Jesus, how do we battle against the forces of darkness? We have to lead with love and not anger. So how do we let go of anger? How do we overcome being offend offended? all the time. And the first one is lower your expectations of others. Lower your expectations of others. This is so, so important because people won't always be there for you. People won't always be there for you. They're not going to always do what they said they were going to do, and they're going to fail you. I can't believe what he said or, or she said. And, and some of us get shocked, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me. But in 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul told Timothy this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 and 4 says, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Mm -hmm. Children, I'm just kidding. Ungrateful. Unholy, <laughs> man, I'm preaching to my kids today. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, 
speaking to myself now sometimes, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. How are we so shocked by people's sin? How are we so shocked of people's sin? Because sinful people, we're all sinners, do sinful things. And if you're not Jesus, newsflash, you're not perfect. If you're not Jesus, you're not perfect. And at some point, I will probably let you down. I pray all the time. There's, there's things that happen to ministries all over the world. God, please, I pray your protection over this ministry. I pray your protection over my marriage. I pray your protection over my family. I, I pray that that will never happen, never happen. And one of my overseers said, don't ever say it will never happen to you. Don't ever say it will never happen to you. Pray that it will never happen to you, but don't say it will never happen to you because that's a very prideful place to be and one of the easiest ways for the devil to let it happen. And at some point, I probably will let you down. I will probably offend you in some way because I'm not perfect and perfect people don't exist. At some point, somebody is going to let you down. At some point, you're going to be offended. But when I let you down, because I promise you it will happen at some point in my life, there will be something that I do that will let you down. I, I beg of you this one thing. Don't ever say God let you down or God fail you. God isn't real or the church hurt you because that isn't the truth. The truth is that God was using an imperfect person who made a mistake. It will happen at some point. Lower your expectations of people. Jesus was never shocked by self-centeredness. Remember Jesus with the woman at the well who was married five times, uh, living with the guy, doing the you-know-what with the you-know-who. It was getting crazy. He, he didn't go, man, I got to go tell Peter and John. Man, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. I gotta, I, we got to go pray for them. We're not gossiping. We're praying for them, right? You've ever heard that one as a Christian, right? We're not gossiping. We're praying for them. He didn't, he, uh, he, he didn't have to go run and tell Peter and John. The disciples, they were, they were posturing themselves. They were like, who is Jesus' favorite disciple? They were so prideful of themselves. And I got to think, like, man, isn't Jesus like, do you forget who I am? Do you forget what is happening? What's the matter with you? Are you clueless? Peter, he bragged, I'm your guy, Jesus. I'm your guy. I'll never betray you. I'll never hurt you. I'm your guy. And when everybody else lets you down, I'll never disappoint you. And then Peter lied to Jesus. He betrayed Jesus. He denied Jesus, stabbed Jesus in the back, and abandoned him. And what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He didn't quit going to the church. He didn't quit his small group. He didn't go on a Facebook rant about how all people suck, right? Nah. Jesus forgave him and kept loving people, kept loving Peter. He kept loving Peter. We're all sinful people. So lower your expectations of others. And the second one is raise your gratitude for God's grace. Raise your gratitude for God's grace. Lift your hand if you've never sinned at all in your life. You've never sinned. I think we should take a survey. What sins have you committed? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Man, some of us, if our life was on the screen, we wouldn't be here this morning. Could you imagine playing a recap video of your last week on the screen? 
How many of you would still come to church if a recap video of your last week was on the screen pointing out all your best moments? <laughs> Not one hand in the church went up. That's because we're a bunch of real people. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Say it with me one more time. Ephesians chapter 2, is it on the screen? Everybody say this. For it is by grace. Say it one more time. For it is by grace. Grace. But they lied to me. I've lied too. But they're so arrogant. I can be arrogant sometimes too. They're so prideful. I can be prideful sometimes too. They betrayed me. I've betrayed a friend before too. We have to raise our gratitude for God's grace. By grace we've been saved. Not from ourselves. Not from works. The worship team cannot, can come up. Now, I don't want to minimize any hurt that you may be enduring because I've, I've talked about small things, politics or a friend being rude or lying to somebody, somebody, and I know some of you are going through some of the most unimaginable things, things that I could never understand or wrap my head around, and I won't even try to. Maybe somebody molested your child or maybe your spouse lied and, and cheated on you. Maybe you've been facing a very, very horrible situation right now. When something happens to you, it can be easy to think, I'm right and they're wrong. I'm right and they're wrong. You got to be careful not to feed the anger because just like the woman at the well, when the people gathered around her, they gathered around her, they put the woman at the well, gathered around her, and they had the stones. Your anger will give you the right to hold the stone. Your anger will give you the right to hold the stone. And what happens is if you hurt my child, I'm ready to throw this stone, and I will hit you right in the middle of your head. I am so ready, right? You say something bad about my wife, oh, man, I'm ready just to chuck this thing as hard as I can, like Goliath over here, right? If they blink, whatever that is for you, what is it that's letting you hold onto the stone? What is it that makes you grab onto the stone and hold onto it? What's feeding the power of holding onto the stone? Will you guys turn off your mics for a minute? <laughs> I hear myself echoing. Holding the stone is a very dangerous place to be. Holding the stone is a very dangerous place to be. And you guys can start playing. In John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. There's this angry group of men. And this isn't going to be on the screens, but John chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8 with me. That's the paper thing that you might have brought to church. It has a cover. It's about this thick. John chapter 8. Say amen when you're there. I'm going to start in verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman, this woman 
was caught in the act of adultery. And in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. The law says that her story is finished. The law says her chapter has been written. The law says she's done. She's done. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down. And with the same finger that wrote the commandments on a tablet with the fiery finger, wrote down, got down and bent down. And he start writing in the dirt. And he start writing in the dirt. And one by one, the angry men started to walk away. One by one, one by one, they're walking away. And some scholars say that Jesus was writing down the sins of all of them. And he says, now, whoever of you has not sinned, you be the first to throw the stone. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Who has condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. If you want somebody who's really messed up, if you want to get somebody in trouble who's really messed up, I mean, they're very sinful people. If you want somebody who is rotten and dirty and twisted, you want somebody who's really messed up to get in trouble, don't throw them at the feet of Jesus. Don't throw them at the feet of Jesus. If you want somebody to get set free and live a life of freedom, throw them at the feet of Jesus and watch what Jesus will do. He will start writing a new story in the sand. And I believe that he is writing a new story for some of you in this place this morning. Some of you have been walking through some of the most horrible things. Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I have a Lord who will write a new chapter of my story, who will write a new page in my book. How about if you're thankful for Jesus, just stand up and give him about 30 seconds of praise in this place. If you're thankful that he set you free, come on, give him about 30 seconds of your best praise. Come on, lift up your voice. Father, we thank you. Really angry people have a hard time making a difference. Really angry people have a hard time in making a difference. Lower your expectation of others. Raise your gratitude for God's grace and the stone that you're gripping so tightly to. Drop it. Drop it and watch what God can do in your life. Come on, lift up your hands all over this place. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place this morning, God. God, we thank you that you're writing a new chapter of our lives. We thank you that you've never left us, that you don't condemn us. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Would you come into this place this morning, God, and set us free? Come on, let's sing out this morning.
with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want you to think about the grace of God for just a moment. Some of you, it's time for you to experience the grace of God. And you may be battling with feelings of guilt or maybe you were lied to, maybe you've been hurt or did things wrong, but scripture is very clear of how we get right with God. The Bible says that it's not through human effort, it's not through our good works, but through the grace and of God and having faith in Jesus. The Bible says that if you believe with your heart that Jesus died and that he rose again, if you confess that with your mouth, that you will be saved. So we're going to pray a prayer right now for the benefit of those who may be saying it for the first time. Our entire church is going to pray this prayer out loud. Will you bow your heads and pray this with me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you died and that you rose again. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate with anybody who just gave their life to Jesus this morning? Amen. If you just prayed that prayer online, you can click the link in the comments. If you just said that prayer here, maybe for the first time or you rededicated your life to Christ, I'd love to talk to you at the Next Steps area. God bless you. Let's continue to sing.